Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts, you love Cincy Shirts, they've been with FC Cincinnati from the beginning, and we're just huge fans of their work here at The Post and happy to have them on as a sponsor. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, check out using the promo code THEPOSTCINCY. That's all one word, all caps. You will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you there. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online or in two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And the cool thing about the in-store locations, if they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. Also, the promo code works in stores as long as you tell them. And that promo code is, again, the post Cincy with a Y, all one word, all caps, or use the link down in the description of this podcast. And thank you so much to Cincy Shirts for sponsoring this episode. On this episode of the postcast, well, we don't have a ton of FC Cincinnati content for you, but we do our best. If you can bear napkin talk. Anyway, in this one, we are talking a very quick FC Cincinnati news roundup about what is happening with the team, as well as some rumored changes to MLS roster rules. That's right. We go in deep on these proposed changes to MLS rules. To be clear, these are not official, but it is rumors that we are looking at a bunch of money coming into MLS. What will that mean for MLS rosters. And then over in part two, we are looking at the League's Cup, everybody's favorite tournament on planet Earth. I, I was going to say when it comes to soccer, but it's with any sport. And we look ahead to the semifinals of that one. And that's going to be your Cincy Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I've got two gentlemen here. I've got the Chief, I've got Grayson, and Chief, let me ask you this. This came up on a YouTube video I was watching earlier today. Can you name a brand name napkin? uh... (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't. (laughs) Like, I would, oh, Sam's Choice? (laughs) I don't know if the store brand counts because my instinct also was to do either Kroger Kirkland. or the or the the pst brand, which is where I go. The one dollar for a hundred napkins. I mean, why would you ever buy napkins when paper ta- like if you're already reaching a point where you're going to be using a pa- like a disposable napkin? A paper towel works just fine, right? Just right. that's. I don't need to be getting in here fancy with the fancy actual paper napkins. The only time a paper napkin, I don't think the time I ever used them would probably be like if I grabbed too many at Chipotle and they just sit out for a couple of days on the, the coffee table. I uh, I stuff my glove box with rest- fast food and restaurant napkins. That is my go-to. My, my glove box is mostly Chipotle napkins. Grayson, are you able to name a brand name? 
I should probably Google one just so we can have one. But I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> na- like a napkin, like a like a, like I, when you said napkin, I thought you meant like a like a like cloth, a cloth nap- napkin. Yep, that would be nice. <laughs> um, so I, probably, uh, probably you know whatever the I'm target, a Dixie. Yes, Dixie. I'm a Dixie has brand name napkins that go along with like the Dixie cups. Dixie's <laughs> probably our answer here. <laughs> Chinette, do they or have Chinette. a line? Yeah, yeah. Chinette, yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are other things that we know. We're just sort of hoping they have napkins, which I like. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with Chief, though. Like, a napkin is not a very useful uh, paper product because it's not as good as a paper towel, but you can't, like, double it as toilet paper. So That's true. It's only got one possible use and it's not great at that it's, not, it's, no. it's not the best thing to use for the thing that you use it for right the only reason to have napkins is to so people when you host people having napkins feels like you planned for it <laughs> right. like you were ready to host people <laughs> because you had napkins right this is the um what is it the uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy always wear always, a towel oh you just have a towel yeah yeah because <laughs> it sends like a, a signal that like oh well this not this person's not weird or whatever well no it's kind uh, of like having an actual napkin like paper napkins it's kind of like having a plastic wine glass where ooh. it's yeah, I suppose it's better than just giving you a solo cup of wine. Grace, but it's just, silly. just for the listener at home, Grayson then immediately flashed a wine glass and took a sip. We can only assume it was not plastic, but right. no, this, one well from, uh, this one's from Skeleton Root. Okay. okay. I like, uh, a, wait, wide, wait a, I like a wide red wine glass. Is yeah, it a legally might... acquired wine glass? No, I, yeah, I bought it from okay. Skeleton Root. <laughs> <laughs> not a sponsor. Don't go there oh, God. until they sponsor us. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go again. Sorry, no, Chief, like, I interrupted it, you. You're you. So, no, you're so close. Like a napkin, it's classy. You have a, t- a napkin down on the table. But if you have like a paper napkin down on the table, you've almost like it's it's almost worse that you got just far enough <laughs> and then didn't thought. go the extra step <laughs> to actually do it right. It's I don't the, know. It's uh, just, it's, it, there's nothing classy about a paper napkin. It's the gift card as a gift of cutlery it's the you thought about it you could have bought something if you just went a half a step above cash it's not classy but it is prepared it is like i went shopping for this party like you guys are my friends i'm not just pulling some paper towels off the roll on the wall for you guys (laughs) i bought napkins so you guys can keep your hands you know clean and dry I bought While paper you're eating plates. My uh, watermelon salad. And- <laughs> I bought the uh, I bought the box of plastic cutlery that looks like yep. silverware because it's silver in yep. color. Yes. Like I plan to have you guys over. I'm having a party. I I went <laughs> and I bought all these things because I'm damn it. I'm middle class. I have a house, and this is what you do when you're middle class and you have a house. <laughs> I like the, uh, the, I like to give people glass wine glasses. Like I would never give them plastic. That's a real. Uh, I trust you. I think it's, yeah, I think it's like, a, I think it's, I think it's confident. I think it's a little bit of a flex. Like not only do I, am I not making my friends drink out of plastic wine glasses, but I have sufficient wine glasses for my friends. For enough people. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to accept that 
there will be breaks. Yeah, two of them are not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but that is like the demarcation point between like right out of college and actually being an adult is that right out of college, it's paper plates all the time. You have whatever cups you've accumulated from a Reds game or go into a sporting event where you buy the souvenir soda. Um, maybe something you caught at a church festival or a parade or something like that. That all ends up in the cupboard. You have this amalgam of the, you know, oh, I got this from here. I got this from there. I stole this from the Hofbrauhaus. house. And then at some point in your life, you just sort of have to have a glow up where it's okay. I have actual drinkware for people. I have actual things for people to use when they come over. And no one really tells you when that moment in your life is. It just becomes embarrassing if you pass it and you don't make the jump and everybody starts to judge you for some reason. Like my wife was horrified when we met at the state of <laughs> my ownership of cutlery, flatware and things that a human being uses to eat. Yeah, we didn't have matching glasses, matching uh, plates or like even really nice plates, matching silverware. And then you just get to a point and it's like, no, we're not only going to drink from glasses that were stolen at the various bars around Ohio State's campus. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I, I imagine most people take the evolutionary path that I went. I can imagine two paths here. One is you get married and you get married early enough to where like you need all this stuff. So it ends up on a registry. So that's always a good way. The other way is at some point uh, you go to Ikea and you're like, oh my God, I can buy six wine glasses for six bucks. This is, this is amazing. I'm going to look like an adult. And it's Slowly but surely, all of that stuff breaks, and hopefully, by the time it's all done, you're at a point in your life you can go somewhere slightly nicer than IKEA. But there, there's occasionally in life you look back and realize, you know, you know, maybe maybe my childhood, maybe my family wasn't as cool as I thought they were. Like we had glassware in our house growing up that we'd gotten from Arby's. Like there was a promotion at Arby's growing up where they like for $2.99 you could get like drinkware it didn't have yeah. Arby's on it anywhere but it was like a glass that you got there and we <laughs> used that growing up like we went to Arby's a ton to get our glassware for the fucking house like we could have gone to Macy's we could have gone anywhere we got our glassware from a fast food restaurant I can and they like do... these green tinted glasses I remember them vividly and they came from an Arby's I can do one somewhat similar there was a line of Bengals glasses that I think were sold at local BPs in the mid 90s that my family ended up with like six of them and that was a, a staple of our drinking as well so gas station glasses right there with you to this day my favorite coffee mug and I like it because it's a little bigger than a than a normal coffee mug, um, but it's like narrow and just like taller. Is a um, a coffee mug I bought from the Ohio State University bookstore, like the day of my graduation, and it was like on clearance, so it was really cheap, and it just has like the uh, it has the the schedule and results from a wholly unremarkable Ohio State season. Like it was, this is not like commemorating like, an, like a national championship season. This is commemorating like a 10 and 2 season. It's pretty good. Yeah, this is fun. Like nobody, nobody would have this. Nobody would have this mug. Oh, God. Well, 
If it isn't clear to the listeners at this point, all 12 of you, hello, welcome back. Uh, there still hello, isn't friends. much to talk about, FC Cincinnati-wise. So Did you I guys know that there's a thing called pasta plates? Pasta, pasta plates? Pasta we, have, plates. we have pasta plates now. Oh, okay. They're What's like... Oh, like those the 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 shallow bowls. Yeah, yes, I've seen those. They're like shallow okay. wide bowls. Are uh, there anti-pasta plates as well? They're probably. Those flattered. are bowls for sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's just another thing to put in the dishwasher. I just I don't I don't have time for this. Like just throw everything on a plate. I'm a I'm a slob. I'll just eat it all off the same thing. I don't care. You know what I, ladies love? Uh plates that are like perfectly flat but have like a like it like a like a really really short like barrier all the way around the edge ooh yeah yeah it's like folks if you want to you want to impress a woman you're a single guy <laughs> get, get fellas, some of those plates fellas. from crate from crate and barrel or uh, west elm go Girl, wild you and need get to a prove your worth with pasta bowls <laughs> pasta bowls when she sees it you're establishing value Jesus, <laughs> we're trending into or ladies, dangerous. Or ladies trying to pr- try to impress ladies. Yeah, that's that's cool too. You know, it, it's, I, assu- it, I guess it, I assume they already have them. That's a good it's point. A, uh, <laughs> it's a weird subculture. I don't know if you've ever gotten in on this, but like, so I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, Ooh. but so I am on TikTok. I don't ever post anything on TikTok. I started an account, and I'm surprised enti- you hadn't told us because you had to walk around your neighborhood telling all of your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, legally Megan, you should have to tell us <laughs> Megan's law requires me to inform you that I am a grown adult with a TikTok account um, but the idea behind it was it's just that, like the history explainers yeah, the, uh, the reddit read threads it's great um, no I just started scrolling and I'm not following anyone I'm not liking anyone and the goal was to see how long it would take of just scrolling before my phone and the Chinese communist party got a read on what my interests were and what I'm into and things like that. It, it was alarmingly quick that we moved from uh, like girls dancing, not wearing a lot of clothing to, ah, here's interesting information about Star Wars lore and here's soccer <laughs> highlights and here's pro wrestling content. And it's like, oh, shit, they, they figured me out real quick. But during the interim of the algorithm listening to me and, you know, using my phone as a spy device, for uh, various corporations overseas. Uh, I got into uh, bro dating TikTok, where it was all these people talking about establishing worth and proving who you are and what women want. And then after that, it was, are you familiar with the concept of passport bros? No. Okay, so it's this really weird subculture where it's uh, guys who have decided that the American dating scene is overrun with feminists and anti-male sentiments, and that the real thing to do is to travel abroad and date overseas where the American man is exotic and you can live a higher lifestyle working a remote job living in some place like Colombia or over in Southeast Asia or something like that. And let me tell you, it is the wildest place on the internet in terms of outrageous and ridiculous content. Just passport bros. Look it up. You will, you will hate humanity just a little bit more after uh, doing your research on this topic. 
that was one of the plot lines in Love Actually. So I'm glad I'm glad it's still alive and kicking uh, in 2023. Oh, That's you're right. He's like, I'm you're an right. ugly like British like, man, but if I go to Wisconsin, I'm suddenly exotic. <laughs> well, it's oh, inverse, man. and you can you can follow the exploits <laughs> of various people two minutes of video at a time, set to really bad musical tracks. So. <laughs> As the world slowly burns around us. <laughs> this is why this is why, listener, it is important for you, a normal person, to travel. We can't let these guys be the only encounters that people across the globe have with Americans. I would love a like Peace Corps type like civil action that we do as the United States to just send normal people abroad for a week just to expose the world to normal Americans as yeah, opposed like, to whatever else comes over. Right. Just a normal <laughs> average American goes overseas, does all the perfectly normal tourist things, keeps yep. a low profile, isn't, you know, loud, isn't obnoxious, isn't barging around demanding everyone speak English to him. Just we're going to send you the most normal people we have just to prove that not Everyone in this country is a gun-toting hillbilly or some weirdo alpha male looking to get laid by pretending that he's a big shot at some company he's working remotely for. There's a there's a uh, one of the clip one of the short films and or short stories or vignettes I guess is what you would call them in Paris Je Tem mm -hmm. is uh, Margot Martindale as like a newly retired postal worker goes to travel to Paris for the first time and does like all of the normie things and. It's like very nice. So we need like every like <laughs> 64 year old civil servant, career legal assistant, dental hygienist. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's like just been normal their whole life, lived in a regular house, made regular normal amounts of money and is like retired and now has like some time on their hands to like see the world. Yes. We need to like conscript these people and send them send them off. Here's here's the deal. We we can save the government millions of dollars this way. When it comes time to collect social security, you can defer one year. And if you defer one year, you get an all-inclusive week paid vacation to one of 10, 15 yeah, locations. Like the State Department is <laughs> just picking areas where like they've done survey data and they yeah. realize that American the American anti-American sentiment's a little high. Not <laughs> dangerously so. Okay, They're not like say. targeting. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not, like, not like you're gonna be like All grabbed expense off the paid street. To couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like send like, people to Barcelona who don't know that there's who don't feel like they have to pronounce it Barcelona. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would like, refuse? You know, yeah. <laughs> like you, you promise that when you go to Italy, you don't ask uh, anyone where to get a pizza pie at. <laughs> <laughs> like if you go to the UK, you are banned from calling anyone governor. Like you just have to, you know, right. we have some rules. And if we find out you violate one of these on the trip, you're going to have to pay the money back. But it's just an idea. It's American normalcy. We are promoting the fact that there are normal people here, which becomes more important as just everyday news emerges from America. And I feel like not to, you know, get political, but like maybe over the next calendar, 18 months, it might be important to remind the world that not everyone is fucked up in this country. Right, we got to dial up. We got to dial up the, the nice campaign, you know, more yeah. people coming back from Italy and like talking to their neighbors like, have you had mascarpone? 
<laughs> Have you heard of this? <laughs> and I have directions to the nearest Olive Garden here. I'm sure they're everywhere in Italy. Right. <laughs> I had real fettuccine. <laughs> the buffalo cheese wasn't even spicy. It was weird. <laughs> um, wow. If that isn't a good intro to a podcast, I don't know what is. Uh, gentlemen, I mean, should we... it's only downhill from here when we realize how little happened with FC Cincinnati. So, I mean, I, fuck. I was looking at the rundown here, and I'm making that up because we don't make rundowns. Uh, I've got like maybe three things to talk about here for FC Cincinnati. And one we did touch on in the last episode, but we should give it its moment right now. FC Cincinnati did re-sign or extend, I don't know how I'm supposed to phrase it, uh, Alvis Powell is coming back with FC Cincinnati for two more years. I'm assuming Grayson has these details more through, readily. Through 2025. Okay, so two more years of Alvis Powell. Um, we, we talked about this before where Powell in this type of signing is one of those where, sure, you could probably imagine a better player, but in reality, Powell is... Very good at what he does, what this team needs him to do, and I'm happy he is here. I don't know. There's, there's yeah, not I mean, a whole lot to say. He was going to be a free agent. Is Alvis Powell was going to have a job next year? Yeah, around MLS. Yeah, like so if he if he went into free agency, somebody would have somebody would have signed him. Like he's a player who there would have been a lot of interested teams around the league to sign um he's just he's a very very good uh valuable piece on an mls roster because what he brings you on his contract value yeah yeah it's um the other thing too that's interesting about this deal is that so there's there's two parts of it one is it's a good signing because he's a guy that's a floor raiser in that you, there's a minimum base level of contribution you'll get out of Alvis Powell, where you don't need to worry about the level of performance on the field falling off a cliff when he's on there. And he's the exact kind of guy that FC Cincinnati was missing on during the Nightcamp yes. era, where they just didn't have quality bones on the team, and like the structure and the foundation of the house was kind of kind of shit the entire time that they were there. And you were missing guys like Alvis Powell, Junior Moreno, guys who are just reliable MLS veterans that know how to play in the league and know how to competently give you minutes in the league. The other interesting aspect of this to me is that he's a value contract and signing him now before any alterations to the MLS salary structure emerge you know if if you're a player's agent and you're negotiating a deal and the salary cap in mls is x then you know a fair deal for your player is probably whatever percentage of that you know seems appropriate if the salary cap were to increase by like 35 40 percent you as a player's agent might rightly say well my player should deserve some of that extra money because well you know you have more to spend now so yeah. by by getting we're going to talk about this in a second here with the rumor on that but by getting the deal done now 
ahead of any increases in the salary cap, you are potentially saving yourself money that you might otherwise have had to pay to retain the services of a competent player like Alvis Powell. And other teams might have had the financial resources to do more than you, and they might have decided, I'll take my chances on the open market as opposed to re-signing here in Cincinnati. So I think it's a good bit of business in terms of the player, and I think it's a great bit of business in terms of the timing. Yeah, could not agree more. You have another team in San Diego coming online soon, and who knows how much looser some of these free agency rules may become or interleague cash transfers. Just the the competitiveness for his services, you know, in the league could be more and more as these guys hit the the free market. Uh, also, I I feel like we shouldn't overlook this when talking about. Alvis Powell, or at least this is a, a fun opportunity to remember this. In 2019, Alvis Powell was on this team before he left for two years and then eventually made his way back. He was, by my measure, amongst the fan base, the most hated player on the 2019 team. I'm willing to hear arguments for somebody being hated more, and certainly Darren Maddox made a run for it there at the end of the season. But I think overall, Alvis Powell got the most shit for that 2019 team and man he has so turned around his reputation in town i wonder if people even remember that that's the same alvis pal that they spent an entire year being pissed at i don't think many people like to remember that 2019 happened <laughs> i think it's he also didn't play a lot of games in 2019 for fc cincinnati he only played in 13 games only started 10 yeah um so it's not like he was a major feature that people would remember as being there. I just was, was, and like I said, I've tried to block a lot of this out. He got cooked in that Seattle game pretty badly, right? And that was like everybody's first impression of Alvis Powell. Absolutely. And what I very, I find very funny about that, uh, that game in particular is he is a right back in that game, as you'd imagine. What a lot of people don't remember is that the right winger on that side of the field during that game was Eric Alexander, who was a career backup journeyman defensive midfielder, just like insane that Powell was stuck in that position. The year before joining us, he, I think, started the 2018 MLS Cup final. Like, he had a really good run with Portland uh, going up to that point. So, yeah, he got burned in that game that uh, everybody, including Koch, looked bad. Maybe only Bertone looked good coming out of that game. And, yeah, the fans just never forgave him after that. Yeah, it turns out maybe the problem with Alvis Powell in 2019 was that Alan Koch was a terrible coach. That <laughs> that could in fact be the that could uh, be the issue, and the roster construction was, we'll say, not great around I mean, him. There, there yeah. haven't been a lot of guys on that team who <laughs> were Can useful you? players after that, and Powell was one of the only ones. Yeah, who like went on went to like another MLS team, uh, or in in Hagman's case, has kind of yeah, you know, shown shown his value. But like, Pal went to Philly, and was went pretty to good. Miami for well, a year. He went to Miami, and, and then, then Philly, he went yeah. to Sudan. All right, so <laughs> during COVID, I'm not going to count that. I don't know but that he, he even made good. an appearance. Yeah, he was, but he was good at Philly. Yes, very good. Um, and uh. 
like I guess Victor Uyoa. Yeah. Had some like, good good minutes at Miami since Miami. then. So here's the here's the lineup for that game. Just a trip down memory lane. I love that. Uh, you had fin- Fernando Adi up top with sure. Roland Lamar, Corbin Bone, and Eric Alexander uh, in the midfield. Jesus. Victor Uyoa. Uyoa? Uyoa. 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 How soon we forget. Leo Bertone. <laughs> and then along the back, Matthew Deplange, Kendall Waston, Nick Hagland, Alvis Powell with Shemislav Teton in goal. Like that's Alan Cruz on the bench, I want to say, which is controversial to me and me alone, I think. He didn't even make he didn't even make the bench in this game. The bench <sighs> in this right. game was Darren Maddox, Kukuda Mane, Aww. Caleb Stanko. Forrest Lasso, Spencer Ritchie, Blake Smith, Manu Ledesma. Blake Smith. I totally forgot Blake Smith was on the MOS roster. I think immediately after this game, he was loaned out to Pacific FC in the Canadian Premier League and then had his contract like like secretly bought out and the the league didn't hold it against us. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes there's like guys who are on bad teams and they get into a better situation and you know it's like oh well they still they still got it yeah there's like basically nobody from the 2019 (laughs) roster no even like the guy who i thought was like gonna gonna end up like crushing the league kenny safe yeah has been like putzing around like you know former Soviet breakoff states <laughs> right. like since then. I think he's the leading goal scorer in the South Ossetia Premier League. <laughs> I mean, just just the back line on this in this game. Deplan, Waston, Hagland, and Powell. Like, it's a wonder we didn't concede 11 goals in this game. I mean, wow. we tried to. You say that, but Kendall Waston is still a CONCACAF Champions League starting center back. Nick Hagelin's a starter on the record-breaking pace of FC Cincinnati, and Alvis Powell is a regular starter as well. The, we can really truly blame this on Matthew Duplan, I think. Matthew so. Duplan. <laughs> There's this is we we convinced ourselves ahead of this game too. Like, oh, we're gonna we have took the one. lead Although, in this I, game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the man. midfield is terrible too. This is it's just real bad. Everything about this is bad. Uh, The only other name I do want to say, Spencer Ritchie has had a useful MLS career. Not as high as it could have been. That's true. But a useful career. Yeah, he's gotten time and won some games for both Seattle and Chicago. Yeah. How much would you pay for, like, if they had filmed a behind-the-scenes documentary about the (laughs) roster building of FC Cincinnati ahead of 2019? How much would you pay for that footage to hear, like, you know, the justification for the moves that were made or why they selected certain people or what the coaching staff thought ahead of that that season, because it's beyond just being an expansion team. There's just they brought in bad players like you yeah. wonder, like, what were they looking at with some of these fucking guys? I I would rather see like a documentary about af- like after FC. And it would just it would be like one of those documentaries where they go to like a coal town right after the <laughs> right after the plant closed. And they're like, 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 look at all these all these men with nothing to do. 
Except for like spiral into addiction, and, right? And, and drink their and get in fights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we could in a world where we were doing this professionally, a behind the spoon documentary where we catch up with all these players and they tell us a little bit about that season, but then as you said, primarily what happened after that, what happened to their playing career. Ask Alvis Powell and who else was it? Adi or Maddox also went with him to Sudan. Maddox did. Maddox went with him to Sudan. Um, yeah, just so many questions. Like, does Nazmi Abadali? Maddox does he remember? Needed to find a, <laughs> Maddox probably needed to find a place that didn't have like an extradition treaty with the, the United States, <laughs> the United right. States tax enforcement. <laughs> so just just to put this into perspective, so that was the first game of that season. This was the lineup they rolled out for the last game of that season. Oh, I love the, this. The draw to DC United. By the end of the year, it's Manu Ledesma up top. <laughs> starting. Uh, a midfield in the midfield. Yeah, build Joe, a statue for that guy. <laughs> in the middle, in the midfield, Joe Jow, Caleb Stanko, Fatai Alashe, Roman Roland Lama. Uh, midfielder Leo Bertone, and then the back line of Greg Garza, Nick Hagland, Mikel Vanderwerf, and Matthew Duplan. Teton oh. still in goal. On the bench now, you've got Tommy McCabe, Kendall Waston, Andrew Gutman, some guy named Jimmy. Oh, Andrew Gutman was a good player. Is, is, is still a good player. Still a good I for, player. Forgot yeah. he was on this team. Derek Etienne Jr. on the bench. Still a good player. Still a good player. Yeah. Justin for some Hoyt. reason we just weren't interested in. We didn't, didn't like sense. his players. Won MLS Cup the next year with Columbus. We cool. didn't pick up the option uh, <laughs> right. for, for Etienne. Yeah. And then Rashawn Daly on the uh, on the bench as well. Roland uh, Lamar was... took, I think, two years off. Somebody double check this in some way. He took two years off and then popped up for Memphis. This is someone who I think had a Maybe. Belgian cap at one point in his career. Like he has five caps for Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some teams he had played for before us are Anderlecht, Le Mans, Osasuna, Swansea City. Um, and then he played for FC Dallas immediately before us. Yeah. Um, and you're right. He didn't play in 2020. He played in 2021 for Memphis 901. That's what it was. So and, interestingly enough, in this game, if I remember my history correctly, this was a game DC United had to win in order to get a home playoff game. Um, and on the bench in this game, Luciano Acosta. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think he was at the peak of his pouting at this point where he was. Was this the year that he's his failed transfer over to PSG? Would that have been this year? Or was it the. That was that year. Yeah. 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 It was before that. Yeah, I think he was Here. he was done with DC at that point. Can't blame him. Um, yeah, good stuff. So the only other piece I have for FC Cincinnati news, specific FC Cincinnati news, is uh, a couple of days old at this point, especially by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but Santi Arias back in the country. In case you were wondering, Andy's back in training. Uh, this all comes from Laurel Thaler. Uh, Santos and Baji were off to the side, but still training. And uh, Valenzuela uh, appeared to be around training as well. He had picked up a quad injury. So slowly but surely, the entire team looks to be healthy and ready to go. We'll see what it looks like in another week. But 
in general. You like seeing everybody in the country, I assume. Let's not ask too many questions on the correct passports <laughs> and her visas. And yeah, uh, the guys who were who were not practicing and not training a couple of weeks ago are now starting to get back into training. It's all this all leads me to to believe that this team will be in good shape come the rest of this season, which is let's hope. 12 to 13 games, so at least until the playoffs. Sorry. Well, no, we want to be a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, no. So there's 11, there's 11 MLS games. At least one. Semifinal. Open Cup game. Hopefully one more Open Cup game after that. So that's 13 games before okay. the playoffs. That's what we want. If, I mean, 13 shield. before the playoffs. And Sports aren't we doing like... Like there's this fucked up playoff thing now where like it's best of three for the opening round of the playoffs. Is that what they're doing? Opening rounds, best of three. And then it's single uh, single elimination knockout with the highest seed hosting. Well, there you go. So I somebody else do math and tell me how many games we got left when we win MLS Cup. If we win MLS Cup, hang on. 13, 14, mm, 15, 16, 17 or 18. Plus the two. On if we need the second game. And then plus the Open Cup. Yeah, that includes Open Cup. Oh, that yeah, that, open that's cup. everything. So we'll play 17 or 18. 18 if we can't do our business in two matches in that opening round. Which, Lord help us if it is somehow Miami. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. That's so far in the future. I've got... We're on, we're on to Columbus right now. We're not yes. going to look past Columbus. Yes. Um... So that's all I have for FCC specific news. However, there was this little tidbit that I do think is worth bringing up here. Um, there is no one, <laughs> I'll say, large enough, super credible reporting this. However, this was making the rounds in the right places on the internet that I do think it's worth mentioning because this does feel realistic at least um we've talked about this before Messi coming to mls could prompt changes to the salary structures the salary rules the roster building rules and mechanics the rumor out there is and this is pretty easy to follow on its face uh mls would add at least a fourth dp spot for all teams and a salary cap increase to seven million dollars and if you're not familiar that cap is right now just under or right at five million dollars five five point two five point this year so quick just to explain like the cap so there's like yeah the the salary budget is five point two million. Yep. That doesn't include GAM or TAM. Um so like for this year, for example, it's five point two million dollars salary budget, one point nine million dollars minimum of GAM, and two point just over two point seven million dollars of TAM. So like all in your roster spend is like close to it's like between nine and ten million dollars yeah um and that doesn't include then um designated player salary u22 transfer fees you know that's why most of the teams are well well north of that because they pay you know designated players multiple millions of dollars a year and they only hit the salary budget at six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's the quick math here I was just trying to do. I think the max salary is tied to the cap, so I don't know exactly where that would go. But yeah, the max salary is like what one point five two, one point five three million. A, that's that's TAM. with TAM. So, so the TAM. max, max yeah, salary budget weird. charge is six fifty. <laughs> yeah, it's what designated players hit at, and that is tied to a percentage of the um. Uh, so the maximum salary budget charge for a player shall be no more than twelve and one half percent of the team salary budget. Okay, that makes sense. So that's why this year it's six fifty one, two fifty, six hundred fifty one thousand dollars, two hundred fifty dollars. Um, and tw for twenty twenty four it goes up to six hundred eighty three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars, and it goes up. So the current CBA goes to January 2028. So that maximum salary budget charge goes up every year because the salary budget yeah. is increasing every year through 2027. And then the the number that Chief mentioned, the max TAM number, that's always going to be a million dollars plus the maximum salary budget charge. And the reason that number is important well, there's a few reasons it's important, but the main reason it's important is if a player's budget charge is under that number, you can use targeted allocation money to make them not take up a designated player slot. So like Matt Miazga is an example of a player who technically makes a salary that makes him eligible to be a designated player, but we use allocation money to buy down his budget charge so that he's not a designated player so we can have instead Bupenza, Lucho, and Obi taking up those three spots. Yeah. You, you, but, in the but in the alternative spot. is, but in the alternative, if we hadn't landed Bupenza as a transfer, for example, they could have designated Matt Miazga as a DP yeah. and recouped the million dollars of TAM, which would then have been used to do other things. They could have traded that to acquire a player. You they can't trade TAM, but or but the point use it the, to the acquire a player. The, the yeah, general yeah. sentence the, the general sentiment stands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. You, you could use that TAM to pay a player's transfer fee or to sign another player who makes like a million dollars. Yeah. The it's where GAM you can use anywhere. Anyway, you can trade it, you can use it to pay a transfer fee, you can use it to reduce the budget charge for a salary. Uh TAM was specifically injected into MLS to acquire talent from outside of the league and bring which, it inside. Which it, it's important to note that when you talk about MLS salaries and budget charges, for all players the transfer fee is incorporated into the salary budget charge. Yes. So um, you might have a player who is making $2 million, for example. Um, but if you spent $10 million in a transfer fee to get them, their salary budget charge is $2 million plus whatever the transfer fee is divided by the number of years in the contract he signs. I think three years is the year is the is the amortization amortization. It's over time. the it's over the full guaranteed term. Right. 
So of the contract. So on a like I say a a four year deal, it's two point five million since it's four ten divided by four. So two point five million per year plus the actual salary they're being paid to get the salary budget number, which would be four point five million. And where that factors in is that you can have players in MLS where they are making under the DP threshold in terms of yearly salary. But since you had to spend money to acquire them, they then become designated players. That's what Wobodo is right now, if I'm correct. I yeah, think he's so making under the DP. He's making under the amount for which you could buy him down off the DP contract. But because we had to spend money to acquire him, his salary is too high to buy down from a DP stop, uh, yeah, spot. Yeah, that's a... Obi's a really good example because he makes actually less base salary than Matt Miazga does. Yeah. But since they paid, I think it was like a $3 million yeah. transfer fee for him and he had a three-year contract. So you take the transfer fee plus, um, you know, essentially their salary. Um, there's a whole lot of other things that are supposed to be included as well. <laughs> Um, but basically any just compensation like, is supposed yeah, to be rolled in yeah. there. Yeah. So basically anything <laughs> that like the players guaranteed to make over the guaranteed term of the contract, uh, including like readily achievable individual bonuses, like stuff that you think they're basically going to qualify for. Like, there's certain like performance bonuses and stuff. And you're like, yeah, this, this guy's an everyday starter and he gets a bonus that kicks in after 10 starts like you you it would include that as well mhm mm um and then you divide it by the guaranteed term of the contract so right. we don't know what all the other little amounts are that like ob might be getting paid like if he gets like a car bonus or something but so the easiest shorthand is to add the salary released by the MOSPA the players association to the transfer fee and divide it over the term of their contract. And that's going to be the player salary budget charge. And if that number is above $651,000 this year, that player needs to be a DP or you have to do a, or you have to use like Tam to you know, quote unquote, buy their contract down to bring them under the maximum budget charge, or they might also be a U 22. <laughs> player, which is if you have a player you sign when they're under the age of 22, you can spend as much of a transfer fee as you want, but you have to keep their salary under the maximum budget charge, which is $650,000. And that player gets a reduced budget charge depending on their age of either $150,000 or $200,000. Um, so, but basically, like anybody who makes, you know, all in, including the transfer fee, more than the maximum salary budget charge, you have to find some mechanism to to account for them. And then the other thing too that's important to note about MLS contracts, which is something that like, so if they're putting everything on the table for rule changes in MLS. Yeah. There are so many different things that they could do to make this league more interesting and a little more transparent. But one of the things that's important to note too is that like if you follow other leagues, especially the NFL, because it feels like most people, if you're a sports fan for the most part, the NFL is the one that most people have, I would say, the best knowledge of how all the contracts work. 
Um, Unlike the NFL, you can't play with numbers on a year-to-year basis with deals in MLS. My understanding is, and Grayson, correct me if I'm wrong, that a player's contract, they have to make the same amount of money every year of the contract. You can't front load a contract or back load a contract. Because otherwise, you could take a guy like a... um, like a Wobodo or like a Matt Miazga. And you could say, okay, we have a DP spot open this year. We're going to pay you $10 million in year one because money doesn't matter on a DP. But then going forward, you're only going to make 500000 per year in order to clear the DP spot. You can't do that in MLS. Every year of the contract has to be the same amount of salary. Well, it's the budget charge is not going to change depending on what the player's salary fluctuation is year to year because it's an average divided over the guaranteed term of the contract. So for example, yeah, if you have a player who's making, well, so let's say like no transfer fee, three-year contract, the player is making $800,000 the first two years of the contract. And then the third year of the contract is making one point, like, let's say like $1 over max tam that player is going to be a tam player all three years of their contract because it's the average of of the contract so since they're under tam the first two years enough to make the average below tam Mm. you do not have to make that player a designated player the third year of their contract never thought about another example yeah Another, though, is let's say you have the same player makes $800,000 the first two years of the contract. The third year of the contract, there's like some crazy escalators. They're making $5 million. That player's a DP all three years. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right, right. That's interesting, though. So you could hide a... DP salary if you had a player willing to play ball and break it up over the course of four years, five years for the first two years, they could be making over DP salary. But if they're willing to or or opposite, if they're willing to go cheap on some years and expensive in other years, you could, in theory, have multiple players making way more than the DP max. <laughs> yeah, but you'd have to have a player. I don't. You have to have a player who you're like, I'm fine paying this player $1.8 million three years from now, but right. that player is also willing to make $800,000 this year. Like, and I don't know, like, I don't l- know, like, the Lucho. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it would be, I, I don't know that it would be that advantageous to, yeah, to, to, game, not. It, to so, game it out that so, way. So now, big, the, 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 real, the real way to hide a DP <laughs> is to do like um pixelate the genitalia. So thank you. Let, let's You're say welcome. like <laughs> let's say let's say you had a player who was p- playing on a TAM salary through mm-hmm. like three years and then there was an there was an option year for the fourth year and it was like a five million dollar Salary. This this would take a lot of trust, right? But the player plays out the three years. You trigger the option. You pay them the five million dollars. Then you, and use, you the use your one time. Yeah. Uh, you use your one time buyout. 
<laughs> but like and, you what you couldn't have an agreement with the player to do that because that would be right because then if you had an agreement to do that that's a contract that's not an option that's a contract <laughs> so then you, need to, then you need to account that for five million dollars but like that's not too far off from what mm. um lafc did with bail yeah i don't know the whole thing of it but bail had a really weird his contract was structured in a very weird way where it was like a very short-term guarantee yeah. and a very high high value option, option yeah. was going to kick in this summer. Zlatan, and I feel like he probably got paid <laughs> under the table a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Zlatan, I think, had a, a similar-ish thing where he came as a TAM player, which was insane given who he was. And then he became a full DP the next year later. But yeah, so what makes all of this interesting is, I mean, if you're not fascinated if by... If it's interesting at all. Yeah, if you're not honest, fascinated like, by MLS roster rules, sorry. I'm, I'm um, getting dizzy and ready to pass out. <laughs> but a fourth DP spot in the the salary cap or the the season budget charge, however you want to imagine it, moving to $7 million next year would be a pretty major shift for this league. So in the CBA, there is a sort of built-in escalation every year. Um, I believe the league reserves the right to increase that whenever they would like. And according to that schedule, MLS shouldn't be at a $7 million cap until 2027. So jumping ahead next year has MLS moving basically three years ahead of schedule. And the league can add DPs whenever it wants, but adding one now would be a pretty big move. A lot of roster rules can't be changed on a whim because of the CBA. However, essentially the owners have the ability to add more money whenever they want. Yeah, the players not aren't going to fight that. They're not going to complain about that. <laughs> they might complain about international spots. It's probably the only place where you would maybe say that that's more money coming in, but the CBA is probably going to fight it. But um, yeah, so that would be a colossal change. I was thinking, I was doing the math over here. If you took the senior max now, like the the threshold where above you have to be a DP or a TAM player, um, if you divide that out over a $7 million cap, that's about 11 players worth of max salary. That is a very different MLS next year. Yeah, now, so yeah. The the maximum salary budget charge for 2027 is currently scheduled to be $883,438. Yeah, that's right. That's more than 200,000 more Sheesh. than it is this year. Um and it would be interesting if they just did the salary budget jump or they just accelerated the 2027 um, plan plan yeah um which you probably would have to get um uh i think i since this is in the collective bargaining agreement with the union you probably need to bargain with this with the union over this and get them get their buy in mm. but so right now the um the we already said the salary budget is just over 5.2 million dollars in 2027 it's going to be more than 7 million dollars or scheduled to be 
in 2023, each team gets a minimum of $1.9 million of GAM. In 2027, that is scheduled to be more than $3.9 million of GAM. <laughs> and then, interestingly, um, I think they're just trying to move away from TAM and move it over to GAM. Yeah, which currently they the Currently, the TAM is $2.7 million. Um. In 2027, it's going to be lower, just over $2 million. Mm. But, like, you're looking at a $2 million jump in GAM and a seven and a slightly under $700,000 reduction of TAM. So that's net around a $1.3 million additional allocation money per team on top of a nearly $2 million salary budget increase i mean these are significant moves yeah, yeah. and the reason why of course it's is 40 percent salary budget increase just about this news broke after we recorded as well that uh jorge mas uh gave an interview where he said that subscribers on apple tv have more than doubled since <laughs> Lionel messi joined the league about two million subscribers based on what little bit of numbers have trickled out of Apple One Loop or whatever, one um, infinite loop, one infinite um, loop. <laughs> yeah, OG Mac head right here. Um, <laughs> no, it's Grayson's right. This is a huge jump, but I feel like I would trade some of this just for simplification of the rule book. Yeah, like that's where this needs to go. Is it needs to be? We spent all we spent ten minutes doing a breakdown of all the different machinations and ways that you can juggle money around and make money fit, either simplify it or conversely, open it wide up and let people do the NFL style shenanigans where you've got guys signed to deals where they're renegotiating deals to free up cap space this year so that your team can go for it and then add two voidable years on to the end of that where, you know, you're paying them money while they're off the books in order to make the roster fit during the year that you're actually competitive or that you're actually going for it. Like open it up and let more games get played with stuff like this legally, as opposed to all this cloak and dagger shit that's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, and a huge part of what makes it so hard to follow, in my mind, yes, all of this is very confusing, but the one key ingredient in all of this is the fact that GAM and TAM totals are not public, so you have no idea how much money your team actually has to work with, and you have no idea where that money is being allocated at any one time. So if you go look on Cincinnati Soccer Talk, uh, Ken there has an incredible roster tracker for FCC. He does something that makes sense, mostly. So if you look at where the GAM is being spent. You'll see that he tends to take off 100,000 here, 200,000 here for every player's salary cap hit. That isn't necessarily the case. That's a good educated guess, but 
the team could also be very well taking the hit on all of those and have a big pile of GAM sitting around waiting to do something with trading for the rights of somebody or an international spot, something down the line. And all of these have different totals per year and they don't roll over. So that gets very weird. But the fact that those totals aren't public allows the league, and I think the league even says this in the CBA that they will do this. It lets the league inject teams with GAM and TAM without making it public and then letting those teams manipulate with it. They, it does have a, every team will receive a minimum thereof, but we do know that teams get more money for missing the playoffs as like a way to catch up. You get more money for making Champions League so that you can remain competitive with the rest of the region. And other things like they had never considered the Club World Cup when Seattle got there. There was no built-in escalator there, but there are ways where the league adds more of this money. So we're you know, we've all said that Miami is cheating, or at least a lot of these moves look shady. It's very possible the league gave them $10 million in GAM, and everything they've done, with the exception of some of the weird buyouts, is completely legal, because we have no insight as to what is actually happening with all of these moves. Very, yeah. very annoying. <laughs> but the, the problem, though, with, with that and with all this is that, so if the goal is to grow this league, there's two ways you grow this league. Number one is very straightforward, is that you spend more money and you attract better players. And by attracting better players and spending more money, you increase the interest that's being paid to the league because the product is simply better on the field. But I'd argue that because this is so opaque and because this is so you need to study the rule book um, compulsively to understand how all this works. And even if you study the rulebook compulsively, you're still just making a guess at the end of the day. You miss out on what is a huge driver of interest in American sports, and that's fans attempting to track their team, track the roster, track the movement of players, and engaging it with the product off the field on ideas for how teams should be built, what they should do, teams should do with their money, how their money should be spent, how money's been mismanaged. Fuck, the NFL never goes away because <laughs> even when the league isn't playing games, people are obsessively talking about salary cap, contract renegotiations, cap space, trades, everything. The NBA never goes away <laughs> because player, the supermax deals and players moving around and making money appear and disappear in various places. People love this shit. The hot stove league in baseball was yeah. built on this idea of we're talking about players moving around and rosters being built. And in MLS, it's so hard to follow. I don't understand how most people would ever engage with this. Even if you wanted to do off-season content on Apple TV talking about comings and goings, silly season, that sort of thing. It's like, well, I think they can afford them, but... I don't know. We don't know how much TAM or how much GAM they have left. So you can't yeah. even have a debate about whether or not somebody's a good use of money or it's a good spend. Yeah, and I want to highlight that by pointing to a couple of a couple of sentences in the in the in the CBA that I think are just interesting. Hmm. Okay. One is uh MLS retains discretion to lower a player's salary budget charge in individual cases. <laughs> what? I did not know that was in there. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm certain that if this has ever happened, they did not make it public. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I thought that was that, that's an interesting uh, tidbit. <laughs> Nick Haglund is free. <laughs> um, another tidbit that's probably more concretely relevant to to right now is um, the amount and any restrictions placed on any money added to the player compensation spend prior to January first, twenty twenty three shall be agreed upon by MLS and the MLSPA, which is, the, which is again, the players' union. After that date, MLS may add to the player compensation spend, either mandatory or discretionary, or discretionary after c- consultation with the MLSPA. Uh-huh. Which, which means... Uh, Set it to a couple of boring restrictions, and I, don't, I do not want to get any more in the weeds on this right now than we have already gotten because it's is we're we're verging on 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 i think losing vis- losing listeners not just this episode but maybe permanently permanently <laughs> um the but it but th- what that means is that starting this year mls has a lot more power to just start adding adding a a resources that teams can spend on their roster because they have to discuss it with the union but the union doesn't have to actually agree to these changes and there's a there's reasons why um this is going to sound counterintuitive but believe me it's not there are reasons why the union would want to restrict the spend available to MLS teams in certain ways and one of them for example is that Additional resources are not necessarily to the to the advantage of the MLS Players Union's current membership. Yes, because guys like well, guys on let's say budget friendly deals who are making up you know back ends of rosters, but it's like oh, this is a useful guy, and we only have to spend like X dollars on this spot. Well, if you had another two hundred thousand dollars to spend on that spot. That yeah, guy might there. not be employed by you anymore. And in the league, he may not have a spot. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting bit to this where, yeah, you do have to find that happy medium where the the players union is looking out for current members. They're not particularly playing for the membership in 10 years from now when essentially the entire playing roster right now will have moved on. And you also have, at least from what I remember, there's always this push and pull of the foreign members of the league don't tend to be as keen at the negotiating tables with the as the players' union. I'm assuming players' unions, should they exist in other parts of the world, aren't nearly as strong as we find them in the U.S. Yeah, I think there's just, I think there's just FIF Pro. Fief Pro, I think La Liga has a body of players that nego- they negotiate with. Yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't looked yeah. into this very, very much. But the, yeah, the players, the the whole union landscape that we have in American sports does seem to be unusual compared to professional sports. Yeah, around the world, which is a shame because in like Scandinavia, where they have like. <laughs> sectoral bargaining right you would have just like every professional athlete being part of the same union right but it's it's, it's, it's funny <laughs> Which makes more that, sense really but yeah <laughs> that that divide though is common among all american professional sports yeah. unions i mean it's the reason why the pga tour fractured was because the players that were the top earners 
were being outvoted consistently by the players at the bottom of the tour. And then they were like, well, fuck you. We're going to go play for Saudi Arabia then yeah. because they'll pay us what we think we're worth because everyone's tuning in to watch us. They're not tuning in to watch the guy that's like a hundredth ranked on tour when the, you know, the who gives a fuck open wherever um, right. the MLB players association was the same way. They resisted adding the minor league players to the union forever because it's like, well, no, they're not major league ball players. We like any money that we negotiate for them is less for us. We don't want them getting a raise. Yeah. And playing the play, playing the highest earners against the average Joes is, Classic, classic union busting behavior. <laughs> but you can imagine an MLS where there are 15 international roster spots where all these guys are getting paid an average of six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year, where suddenly the concerns of, you know, what your <laughs> what your lunch pail MLSPA guy might be having right now are radically different in just two years. Like we just talked about how Alvis Powell is a great addition. In two years, he might look like a terrible addition given the amount of money floating around this league and the caliber of player available to MLS. They could be poaching Italy and France, and the, that player movement could very well be moving the opposite direction now that MLS is able to offer you know, competitive or, salaries. Or it could just lead to salary inflation where yeah. you still need to have a certain number of domestic players. You certainly need to have a certain number of players at each position. Um, and an Alvis Powell... He may be valued at X right now, but when all the teams have more money to spend, he may be valued higher than that, given his experience in the league and how well he's played. Um, but it's a roll of dice that, either way. But like if that happens and they, this, I think, is something that is not fully appreciated when they when we talk about increasing um, roster spend in MLS. Just spending more money does not improve the league. Right. Like FC Cincinnati is not a better team tomorrow if you doubled every player's salary. <laughs> right? I'd right. argue they get a little worse, but yeah. <laughs> They'd be Which happier. Like, yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't want to say I want the players to make yes. as, as much money as they as they can get. I'm not you know, trying to, to reduce player pay. But like but that's just the reality is like when you're advocating for for higher spend you're advocating for different players. <laughs> yeah, implicit yeah. in that if you if you're tying it to quality of the league. No, it's another thing if you have something like NWSL and you have players making, you know, poverty yeah. wages and you just think that they all deserve to make more money. Yeah. That's a that's a separate issue. Yeah, where they all have what second people are jobs. talking about. Yeah. That's the separate issue for for what people are talking about with increasing MLS spend. Presumably yeah. they want it to improve the quality of the league. Which does mean, I'm sorry to say, in a lot of cases, different players. At the very least, every team's bench is completely replaced. Like you, you make the argument for every team starting 11 on some level, but every single team's bench is completely right, so, replaced. So let me ask this question then. This is more of a big picture thing on this. How much would you really notice $2 million extra dollars? on a soccer field compared to what we're seeing right now in terms of like how much of a demonstrable difference in quality of play would that make? Because I'm guessing that the average Joe six pack that shows up at an MLS game or a Josephine six pack or what have you, um, not going to notice the difference between a team that's got a $7 million budget charge or salary budget 
and a team that's got a five million dollar salary budget. At some point, the the returns aren't perceptible enough, and the amount of money that you have to spend to really make a change is is a lot higher than you're prepared to do. So, what that would look like for our team? Let's everybody close your eyes and imagine. The, not if you're driving. If you're driving, not if you're driving. Your eyes on the road. But uh, you know, imagine like the best 11 that FC Cincinnati could field with current personnel. Okay. An extra $2 million probably gives you, I mean, you, there's a lot of ways you could do it, but a kind of the most obvious thing would be, okay, we have a million dollars to spend on a center back and a million dollars to spend on um, where uh, Junior Moreno would typically uh, be starting next to Obi. So we get like an OB or close to level player in center back in replace of Nick Hagland and next to OB in the midfield. Two OBs in the midfield? My God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, but that's like, that's where you'd spend it, right? Right. Because like you have Barial, Mascara, Miazga, Arias, probably. Not in a hurry to replace any of those guys. Obi and Lucho in the midfield. You're not likely to improve. And then we have Bupenza and Vasquez at striker. That's a... I mean, that's a really, really good team. <laughs> it's a good team. I just don't know that it makes a demonstrable difference in terms of like, wow, MLS looks totally different now that we're spending all this extra money. It still is going to look like MLS. I don't know that it makes a huge... Helps us, helps us apply pressure to Sergio Busquets. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at it from the point of view of like ownership. Like, do you are you really is that two million dollars really buying you viewers you wouldn't have otherwise had? Oh, I don't know. So I think where it becomes valuable is that MLS starts taking a leap up into the unquestionable top ten leagues in the world, and. At that pricing, you're not far off from the argument for being, say, the seventh best league in the world. And I think there is a tremendous value in being right there, where right now the Netherlands purchases all of our best players. The the Belgian league is purchasing lots of our best players. Suddenly, that talent transfer can start moving the other direction and MLS has the ability to start poaching names that people recognize and you're already starting to see that with like a Cucho Hernandez or a Sam Surridge where like they're even Jurgen Lacadia like these are fringe Premier League guys guys that have been around the championship in the Premier League and are now suddenly very good MLS players, if every team is able to field four or five of those guys, the quality of MLS jumps so high that the MLS haters out there, they can't compete with it. The talent pipeline from South America starts making a major diversion to the US. You're already seeing a lot of that, but you could cut off that spigot of talent except for the highest of high ends. 
I think MLS could very quickly become the a league of choice for viewers because of its position in the international calendar. It becomes the summer league. Everybody watches. Everybody has a name that they recognize. I think a lot of the world is culturally already prepared to adapt in some ways to U.S. TV times. I think... I think if MLS can make an argument for itself that it's a top 10 soccer league and you can watch it when most of your leagues aren't working or aren't running, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. I'd like to see it. The DP, yeah. <laughs> the fourth DP spot is, I think, the the big one because yeah. that's the one where, you know, you are going to bring over the Cucho Hernandez. You are going to bring over the, the big name. I think that's adding the fourth DP to me, is a much bigger deal than adding more to the budget charge. Like, if you just combine adding the fourth DP with simplifying the roster rules, I think that would accomplish a lot of what you're saying already. But I hope it happens. Christ, I mean, if they're really making this much extra money on TV, they should start (laughs) spreading some of that money around. And they got to strike while the iron's hot, too. I mean, shit, they have two years... Maybe less to build a case to the world that's watching Messi that this league is worth following after he leaves. I, I, I'd like to see that as well. And I think we're going to start to see that with more of these conversations. However, and I, I want to make sure these feet are still put to the fire, it doesn't happen if nothing changes, if they maintain their current schedule. There needs to be an increase in spend. There needs to be an increase. Like The messy highlights are great, and they'll be lovely for the rest of this year, for the league. I'm not a huge fan of no. watching my team stare into those jaws of death. But it, this will be fun for a little bit. But it... At a certain point, if it goes on for two years, MLS looks bad. They look incapable of putting up a fight. The league looks discounted. Even if we all know it to be generally very good, it looks bad to an international audience, and that audience disappears as soon as the you know as soon as the attraction is gone. As soon as Messi retires or moves to Argentina or whatever his post Miami plan is. So yeah, I completely agree. I think. Well, let's wrap it up with this. I think there's a couple of rules that you could propose out there that would be very simple, very easy changes. I know a lot of people have suggested lots of things over the years. I like the idea of a, uh, what do they call it, the the bird dog rule, where you could have a Jesus Ferreira type and sign him to a DP contract, and that could be a fifth DP. That doesn't count as a DP spot because he came up through your academy. So that would allow you to prioritize maintaining homegrown talent. So Vasquez could stick around potentially yeah. something along those lines. Guys with service. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, that's the that's the end game of MLS is that there has to be you have to at some point the league has to become a league where stars stay. Yeah. And you can build your team around a Brandon Vasquez and kids can like there's never going to be an MLS or there if there is, they're not going to be great. Like you're never going to have like the Joey Votto where he plays his entire career with FC Cincinnati and is regarded as a Hall of Fame all-time player. That won't be the case so long as the dream of all young players is to go to Europe yeah. and get where all the best money is in Europe. Like, yeah. that has to change at some point. It, it, maybe it doesn't in our lifetimes, and MLS settles into, you know, a smaller scale somewhere in there. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think you could do something like that. I know a lot of people have advocated, and I think we have as well. Um, just don't count the transfer fee. Just don't count that. <laughs> just 
Put that out and let the transfer fee stand on its own. I also think, in general, replace the entire TAM mechanic, or or even the GAM mechanic, one of the two. Replace the GAM mechanic with a larger salary cap and let teams do cash transfers. It helps establish a more proper market for your domestic players where a Paul Areola can be transferred for $2 million here and $2 million there. So when a foreign team looks at a Paul Areola, they go, oh, well, he has a transfer value of about $2 million the last two times he moved. It helps establish an actual value for your players internationally. I don't know. Do we have any other ideas? And I'm fine for like ridiculous rules as well. <laughs> don't don't feel like you have to take this seriously. But I think there's some easy changes here. I, I think we should probably do like an off season episode on like MLS roster rules and maybe yeah. come up with some proposals then. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe do it in like a more structured way. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And then maybe hopefully get someone on who understands the real rules and can tell us why all our made up rules would never work. (laughs) (laughs) Gerard Nightcamp, come on down. (laughs) (laughs) This would never work. (laughs) Time Um, to finally release that Luke Sassano interview. (laughs) Sassano's who we got to get. He knew. He knew. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, I think that's going to do it for. Believe it or not, an FCC bit. Uh, let's go down over to, to part two and let's talk a little League's Cup as that did happen this this past weekend. So let's jump over there. All right, we are back and we are talking your favorite, my favorite, our favorite soccer tournament the league's cup 2023 it is still weird to me that it is not officially ever coming back so just something to keep an eye on as we go through this um yeah i i don't know is there a game in particular here that you gentlemen would like to dive into we had the quarter finals uh, uh i'd like Friday. to give a special the special fuck you to LAFC for going up 2 nil when I had a non-insignificant amount of money wagered on them and then absolutely crapping the bed to lose 3-2. I went to bed convinced I was going to find money in my account the next morning, but no. Mm. Hurts. That was that was a tough one. Yeah, they go up two to nothing in this one before Monterey, who has done this a couple of times this tournament, just remembered. Oh, right, we're really good at this, and just go on and win. Uh, all three of their goals coming after the 68th minute, which was a penalty there. Um, yeah, it just a Monterey Miami final. Every is that what we're looking at here? I think this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to have Mexican teams totally knocked out of the tournament. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I really enjoyed was the many attempts by Carretero fans <laughs> to draw lines uh, <laughs> that show that uh, that show that the Philly goal scorer, I think it was Donovan, um, was was offside. Yes. And it's like, if only there was like a line (laughs) right next to the player that you knew was exactly (laughs) parallel with the end line that you could help, like, at least use as a starting point. Nobody just drawing lines straight up and down the picture. (laughs) Like the picture is at at, at a 
I mean, they're going to they're going to they're going to make me become Andrew Wiebe. They did not account for the <laughs> lens distortion. <laughs> no, nobody draws lines quite like Jonah does. And if you see lines out there that are not from Jonah or Joseph Mamey, question them, be highly suspicious of them. Those are the only two I trust in the business because they do a good job of looking at the end line, looking at the 18 yard line and figuring out where all of the subsequent parallel lines would be from there. And if you and- watch the replay <laughs> and the line is correct, but the player appears to have been moved digitally. That's Alan Koch and don't trust him. <laughs> don't don't do that one either. <laughs> Uh, Nashville absolutely smashed Minnesota five to nothing. And similarly, Miami dispatched Charlotte without, I feel like there was maybe one shot on goal from Charlotte. I don't remember anything other than that. Let me see. Uh, yeah, one big chance. Oh, okay. They give them nine total shots, but one big chance, according to, uh, my favorite app, FOTMOP here, uh, which gives us August 15th, that is Tuesday night, Philadelphia, Miami, Monterey, Nashville, Philly, Miami. Folks, if you want to beat Miami in the Open Cup, and we consider ourselves to be something of a Philadelphia-ish team, we are built in their image. This will provide the blueprint on how to win or how to lose. I think this is this is going to be tactically the most interesting match to watch because of all of the shit teams that Miami has played. Philly is the one team I don't expect them to give a sort of magical 10-foot force field bubble around Busquets and Messi. So, yeah, Grace, I know this is a matchup in particular you have been looking forward to. Yeah. I just really wanted to get a chance to see Philly play Miami before we had to play Miami. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, Messi has been as good or better as anybody had any, you know, right to hope. Um, but there was still the, uh, there was still the response, the but to all of it was that except for Dallas, which took them to penalties. Four to four. They have, they have not been playing very good teams. No. And Philly is somebody who, if, if Miami is not going to just run the table the rest of the way and win the Open Cup and win MLS Cup as an eight seed, <laughs> uh, teams like Philly and us are going to have to show that they are capable of of containing him and exploiting Miami's defense. Yeah. Yeah. But if they uh, beat Philadelphia. <laughs> Panic. If if Philadelphia looks looks halfway competent and they lose three to one, panic. Feel free to panic. <laughs> yeah. If it's a if it's a close loss or another another penalty uh loss. Yeah. Then I'm feeling a little bit better. If Miami beats Philly Three nothing, two nothing, four to one. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Boy, am I am I am I not looking forward to the twenty-third at that point? Oh God. It's like I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe they will win the League's Cup and they will decide, okay, with that out of the way, our next focus needs to be making the playoffs in MLS <laughs> and 
We'll go ahead and we'll rest everyone. We won't let, you know, Messi travel for that midweek game. I know everyone in Cincinnati will be disappointed not to see him after they've paid hundreds of dollars for tickets, but maybe that would, maybe that'll happen. I I think there was a uh, headline in the athletic that it was a Miami player or or executive or coach just asking hypothetically, why can't we win everything? Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, Oh no. Oh shit. Um, well, they can't win the supporter shield. I think they're mathematically eliminated already. It feels right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody fact-checked that. Absolutely nobody fact-checked that. <laughs> Honestly, if it's possible, I want to see it at this point. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, fuck it. It should be a good game. And I agree with everything Grayson said here, that this would be a good test, at least to see where Miami is relative to, are they playing bad teams? Are they playing... Uh, do they really have another gear in them? Are they whatever the case may be? Philly will be the best defense they've played yes. um, all year. And Philly is also the best team to exploit their defense that they'll have played so far in this iteration. So, yeah, we're going to learn a lot one way or the other. And uh, on the other side, Monterey versus Nashville. Um, boy. <laughs> how annoying is nashville huh <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah is the worst possible outcome here a miami nashville final yes yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes we are all monterey union fans for this tuesday i think <laughs> right because it's uh the two teams that joined mls the year after us, Fuck. one of them being guaranteed to a win a trophy before us in a season where we are <laughs> so much or, or better, have been <laughs> clearly, clearly better than them. And both will be guaranteed Champions League next year, just to rub yeah. it in. Yeah. Which is on the table for all of them. But yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, I need Miami to lose this game. Like I really, <laughs> really need Miami to lose. So and they've already rescheduled the game. So like the hope of them going this place, that place, irrelevant at this point. So prediction. I think we'd all like to see Miami lose. Do we actually think that happens on no, Tuesday? I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't. No. I'm gonna I'm, say for that. I'm saying for that game, that's gonna be a three-one Miami win. Oh my god, that's the worst one. <laughs> yeah, Miami's gonna. I, I think Miami's gonna win. <sighs> do they? Do they win cleanly, or is it like a hashtag rigged? No, they tournament? win cleanly. They oh, win fuck. cleanly. <laughs> and then on the other side, Monterey Nashville again. I'd love Monterey to win this. Nashville has already beat Club America, already beat Cincinnati, arguably the two best teams in this tournament outside of Monterey. Yeah. They don't I'm do gonna it. Say Mo- I'm going to say Monterey. It's going to be Monterey, I think. Monterey, <sighs> they, they win late. They, uh, they're, they're just a better team than Nashville. I don't care. Just like the fuck the analytics. The manalytics say that Monterey <laughs> should win this game. I'm going with that. So... I saw a tweet. Somebody said that uh, Monterey and Tigres were something like seven and seven and zero against MLS teams in this competition. Mm. And Monterey knocked out Tigres, obviously. 
Yeah, right. one to nothing. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, and I think I think Monterey takes Nashville. Um, and honestly, like Monterey going going up against Miami Messi in the League's Cup Finals is probably as good of of a matchup as like the MLS and Liga MX and the tournament organizers. Yeah, could have yes. hoped for. If it's like their dream matchup. Yeah, if you think that this tournament's been rigged, they wouldn't rig a Nashville Miami final. It would be a Messi versus a Mexican team final. Right. It's like the class of the continent against Messi. Yeah. Against the class of the other continent, just a little further south. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, okay. Wow. That would be a Philadelphia Nashville third place game. Winner goes to the Champions League. That would be interesting. I'd assume Philly'd be favorites there, but this season is weird. And then Monterey, Miami. If, mm. if Miami, if Miami wins this game against Philly, I think you have to start genuinely worrying they're never going to lose again. If if Miami <laughs> beats Philly and beats Monterey. <laughs> Man, yeah. like you can't you rotate versus Columbus, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't say that they that they didn't earn it. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And any and any questions about Thanks. Is, this is, is, this is, is is are these additions gonna be enough to make Miami <laughs> you know the top team in the league? Oh, that was already out fucking, the window. That's, that's already proven as cope. That was all cope. But these additions <laughs> aren't gonna matter now. Like no th- if they win the League's Cup, it's existential crisis time for the entirety of FC Cincinnati's fan base. Like, oh, my God, this is going to happen to us in our best year ever. Like, yeah. I am never going to financially recover from this. Oh, my God. <laughs> it makes you worry about, like, what if all of this had happened a month earlier in the window and Miami had rattled off, like, four wins right before League's Cup? <laughs> It'd be such a radically different table and feeling. Like, oh. <laughs> Maybe Philly will do their thing. Maybe Jim Curtin will come through. That would be neat. <sighs> It'd be nice. Who do you think uh, Pat Noonan's rooting for? wow that's a good question i mean obviously philly but like i don't know i bet there's part of you that's like i want to see miami beat philly so i can see where the holes would be in our game plan or you don't like piss messy off like maybe if he keeps winning he will become (laughs) complacent and lose a match along the way we are the trap game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't I don't like any of this. Uh, Miami Nashville would be the worst. I'm just going back to that thought. Yeah, for yeah, that's, that's, that's far and away the worst. Yeah. No, we just <laughs> any outcome but that is a win for me as a Cincinnati fan. Nashville, Philadelphia would be a fun opportunity to become Philadelphia fans for a night. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's going to oh, be Miami Nashville, isn't it? So it's does the, the crowd, possible. the crowd in Miami for a Miami Monterey final, let's say, do we finally get like Monterey fans or do Monterey fans in Miami still still root for Messi? How does that work? 
I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I, ho- I, I hope we find out. Because <laughs> that means Nashville's not there. The, the, the nightmare scenario has been avoided then at that point. <laughs> oh, God. It, I mean, yeah. Oh, geez. All right. And there were people out there that said the League's Cup was worthless. And look at this. Wow. It's got us. We're not even in this tournament. And we're all panicking about a result that might happen. Philadelphia Kretscher couldn't even start on time because the power went out. Like, this tournament has everything you could have ever hoped for. This is a wild, wild tournament. God, I hope they bring it back next year. If you think if so let's say Nashville and Miami both win. Do you think Nashville moves the final to their football stadium? Mm. Or tries to? Sells all those tickets out? Mm. I think you try to. Yeah. <laughs> Because you think about it, like, you'd have to figure out what kind of a payday you're getting out of it. And, like, the trade-off would be, okay, um, if we make a couple extra million dollars on this game, we'll invest it back into the club. It's just a fake trophy anyway. Like, who cares? Would you be mad? All right, here. Hypothetical situation. Would you be mad if FC Cincinnati would have moved this Open Cup game to Paul Brown Stadium if you had the knowledge for certain that every dollar of additional profit would be reinvested into um, a fourth DP next season. No, I wouldn't be, but I think it changes it. If you tell me every single extra ticket outside of 28,000 is rooting for Miami. That's that's a sixty eight thousand Cedar Stadium. That's forty thousand Miami slash Messi fancy stuff in there. Whew, that's a lot. <laughs> There's a yeah, dollar I, value where it makes sense. There is a dollar value where, where it makes sense. I will enjoy the game more in TQL Stadium than yeah. I would in Paul Brown Stadium, and it's not close. See well, the yeah. problem. The problem is is the way that like. That's just the way U.S. soccer operates, which is they like the restricted nature of the capacity where they can charge a lot more. If you move it to Paul Brown, average price probably gets cut in third, right? That's not as much fun for them to tell $600 tickets or whatever on StubHub. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. Fun, fun thought experiment at the very least, I think. I know it's I mean, dumb. if you could if you could make them if you could make enough money to where you could really make a splash signing next year, I, I if you're gonna lose anyway, at least get fucking paid, right? I know I know it's sacrilege, but like I would like to see one game at Paul Brown Stadium if it meant the stadium was sold out. Like I think that'd be a lot of fun for a Columbus Cincinnati hell is real match at Paul Brown and then back at Ohio Stadium. I don't know. There's a future where the sport is so popular where that would be lovely. (laughs) Now, really where you want to stay woke is if the subscriber numbers keep going up for all this stuff, is there a reality where MLS starts mandating that matches be moved to larger venues when Lionel Messi comes to town and they start (laughs) mandating you lose your home field advantage to sell the most amount of tickets possible while he's here? Oh, it'd be so funny to watch these MLS teams that spent so many years trying to get out of NFL stadiums being told they had to go back. <laughs> Colorado's back at Mile High. Kansas City's back in Arrowhead. Like, no. Columbus is at the horseshoe again. At we tried stadium. so hard to leave this. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 
LA, yeah, LAFC Monterey was at the Rose Bowl. Did we? Was there an Angel City game at BMO Stadium? I'm trying to remember what there. I, there was a concert. I, a concert. I think there was a. Okay. There was a concert. Or there was a. It was like a festival, mm. like a music a music festival of some kind. Um, and it. I don't think they had enough time to turn the field around. Gotcha. That was fun. I liked that. That it was at the Rose Bowl. Made sense. Um. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, that, <laughs> that's now, it for now, <laughs> what's, what's funny too now is that if the final is Monterey, uh, Miami. MLS is going to wish they'd taken your idea of hosting this game in Vegas at a neutral site. (laughs) (laughs) Vegas in particular would have cleaned up. I mean, hell, Hard Rock would make a lot of sense for that game, I think. I think he could do numbers there. Uh, I'm honestly surprised they didn't just move to Hard Rock, and maybe they do that next year. Drive Pink is already a temporary stadium. You have no loyalties there. I believe they've talked about... um that being a thing that that being on the table okay it makes a lot more sense because yeah they're playing in a glorified high school football stadium that like saint x in a lot of schools in in texas would scoff at as a stadium (laughs) so (laughs) oh god Uh, was there anything else on league's cup or can we uh end this this podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's 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 get out of here yeah we've already you know what I'm going to end this podcast on a positive note, if you'll allow me. Will you indulge me for a second? I will. Um, Miami is going to lose. The Philly system is going to triumph. Jim Curtin will give his, his, his trainee, who has in many ways surpassed the master at this point, will give him the blueprint to beat Lionel Messi. Nashville will get stabbed, curb stomped, and r- drummed out of the tournament by Monterey. It'll be Philly versus Monterey. It will piss off every single person at Apple, at MLS headquarters. Their rigging attempts will not work. It's going to be fine. I'm talking myself into this. But regardless, fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please 
like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcasts. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps spread a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.